Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of In Bloom Podcast, or welcome if you're new. My name is Abby Aslan and I'm the host of this podcast. And this week we're going to be playing 20 questions. I like to do Q&As sort of quarterly just to sort of keep that closeness with you all. I feel like Q&As are a really great way to maintain a very genuine, authentic connection with the audience. And I need to do better, or you all, I don't like saying the audience, but with all of you guys that are listening. And I need to be better about doing them more frequently on Instagram, but I think I try to stray from doing that because I know that I like to do these quarterly on here. So I don't want to you know, be super redundant and sound like a broken record. If you're somebody that like follows my personal Instagram, watches my YouTube and listens to my podcast, but honestly, I feel like it's only a very small percentage of you that like truly, you know, watch my videos, listen to my podcast and follow me on Instagram and like actually pay attention to it. So yeah, I try to like not do too, too many Q and A's on my personal Instagram, but I notice anytime I go like a really long time without, you know, just sharing more vulnerable and deep things on my Instagram, the more disconnected I feel from my audience. And I felt that way lately. So I asked you all questions on the In Bloom podcast Instagram initially. And I, when I went back to like look at them, cause this was like a month ago at this point, they like aren't there. So I was like, you know what? We're just gonna have to ask these again. And I was thinking and I realized, okay, I normally, get more questions obviously on my personal Instagram because there's more followers on my personal Instagram and I was like let's just kill two birds with one stone and I'll answer any other questions that I want to answer on my personal Instagram and all the others will be or not all of them but 20 other questions will be here on this podcast episode so one if you're not following the in bloom podcast Instagram definitely do so it's just at in bloom podcast so that you can participate next time there's a Q&A and so you can just keep up with everything with the podcast and I promise I'm not like super annoying on the podcast Instagram. I literally just repost when you all mention me in the stories. And I post when there's a new episode on my story every week. And then there's like one Instagram post a week. So I'm not annoying over there. Promise. And then on my personal Instagram, definitely follow. It's just at Abby, A-B-B-Y, period, A-S-S-E-L-I-N, Abby, period, Aslin for my personal Instagram and definitely follow me there so you can be even more in the know and then if there if you asked a question on there for the podcast and it didn't get answered chances are it might be answered on my personal Instagram so wanted to get that out of the way and share that but I'm really excited because like I said this just allows me to sort of connect with you all on a deeper level and everything my quote for this week let's go ahead and get into that um is from Pinterest and it says working on a problem reduces the fear of it It's hard to fear a problem when you are making progress on it, even if progress is imperfect and slow. Action relieves anxiety. I really liked this because I think what happens when we feel fear, actually I know what happens for myself at least, is I freeze. That's my immediate response to fear. I freeze. I don't know, like any decision-making skills, goner, out the window, um, can't be found. uh, And my ability to just sort of think through things logically and not be you know blowing things out of proportion in my own head it's just difficult and I think that since that is the way I respond to fear is that freeze response where I just you know stop and I don't take any action and I freeze I let that fear linger by doing that and I really liked the perspective this quote gave me Because if you are making progress on something, you're getting yourself comfortable with it. You know, you're 
familiarizing yourself with it, it becomes less scary because it becomes more of a known thing rather than an unknown. And a lot of times our fear is associated with unknowns, but the more you work towards something, you're sort of chipping off more and more of the unknown factor of whatever it is, and you're getting it to be more of something that's known and familiar to you. So it really reminded me, you know, when I'm in those moments where I'm feeling fear and I just freeze, it's better, much better for me to just take those small steps that I know I can take. And granted, it's hard to get yourself to do so because it's really easy to talk yourself into, you know, saying, I don't know what to do next because I'm scared of what might happen next or I don't know what's going to happen next. But even if you can just take the smallest steps, even if it's, you know, you make mistakes in doing so and it may feel like you're going backwards for a little bit, even if it's imperfect and slow, like the quote says, it's better than just freezing and doing nothing because as you act on it and get yourself more and more familiar with that fear and you kind of get to a point where as you take action, you get yourself back to reality because fear sort of puts you in this mindset of thinking of, you know, the worst case scenario and not really being really realistic with yourself. But the more you come face to face with fear, you kind of bring yourself back to reality a little bit and that doing so is going to relieve your anxiety surrounded around fear. So I really like this quote. And my goal for this week is to really start challenging myself more with my content creation and like the podcast. And I'm also in a really weird spot right now because I am kind of at a point where I feel like the podcast, not necessarily as quickly, because like on YouTube, I can usually get around, I'd say like 8,000 to 9,000 views in a week for a video. That's like pretty standard for me. And then they usually will end up kind of flatlining right around 10k which is I'm very thankful for and it's great it's not what it used to be but hey I'm so thankful for every single view and every single interaction because it means the world to me but what I am getting at is I feel like the podcast is kind of getting to a point where it's kind of hitting the same numbers it takes a little bit longer like maybe like a two to three week turnaround for the for the listens to get that way but with that being said, you know, that's that's good for me to see that because it's showing me that, you know, people are enjoying the podcast and that, you know, maybe I'm reaching a little bit more people. And I really want to be more intentional this summer with my time when it comes to creating content with YouTube and with Instagram, TikTok and my podcast. And I say that because I kind of just have to go into autopilot mode during busy season and just do the things that are most efficient. So vlogging is the most efficient because it doesn't really require a lot of creative effort um, and it doesn't really require a lot of, it requires a lot of editing, but it doesn't require a lot of out of the box editing because it's like the routine cuts and the routine transitions and that kind of thing. So with that being said, I have more free time on my hands since it's not busy season anymore for me, thankfully. And granted, I'm still going to have busy days here and there, but overall, I can say my busy season is done for now until the fall. And it feels really good to say that, but um, I want to just be more intentional with my time, with my content so that I can really just make sure that, you know, I am proud of my content. And I'm always, I always like to say I'm proud of my content because I don't like putting anything out there that I'm not proud of. But do I think that I could do better during busy season? Absolutely, of course. But I'm doing the best with what time I do have. You know what I mean? So I kind of want to pivot and 
get back to being a little bit more intentional with, you know, my videos and maybe having some more guests on the podcast. We're going to have a guest next week and I'm so excited or wait. I don't think it's next week. I think it might be the week after. We're going to have a guest soon regardless. And I'm really excited. I think y'all will really enjoy that. And not saying that like all my episodes over the summer are going to have guests, but definitely just like trickling them in here and there because there are people that I definitely want to have on the podcast. Um, But I have a little bit of anxiety when it comes to having people on the podcast because I, something about, you just never know how sometimes how people are going to interact. And I'd say for the most part, I typically only really record with people that I know would be like a good fit because they really fit with what the content that's already on the podcast or um, I follow them and I see how they, you know, interact with their audience. I'm like, oh, they'll be good. But there have definitely been instances where I'm just like, okay, this maybe wasn't the best idea or I just didn't really feel like I was getting much from the guest and I just (laughs) kind of panicked and it like gave me a lot of like, social anxiety through a microphone in a way so it's a little stressful for me to bring on guests but do know that like I really am I have very a very clear vision with like what I want for the podcast and it's not to have guests all the time I would love to just have like one guest a month if I could and I just want to be really intentional intentional about who I do bring on and you know make sure they care about coming on the podcast too and that you know it's going to be an equal effort and everything and I am really looking forward to hopefully getting some people on the podcast this summer because I definitely have people in mind that like are just people in my life, but then people who you may follow on social media that, you know, live a lifestyle, I'd say a little bit more similar to mine or to yours if you're listening and um, that kind of thing. So just being more intentional with that kind of stuff and really want to get the creative juices flowing in that aspect. And that's kind of my goal is to just sort of start brainstorming and thinking of intentional and actionable steps that I can take in order to achieve those goals. And I actually wanted to do a favorite this week instead of gratitude. So I feel like I should have done a favor though instead of goal because um, I always like sharing you know, something I'm grateful for just because it makes me reflect and find something I'm thankful for. But my favorite this week is actually the Alfred's Vanilla Bean Coffee Syrup. So random, but... I, I think it was like 2021 when I ordered a bottle for the first time of it and because you can order it online and like have it shipped to your house and it's pricey but oh my god it's so worth it but I wish that there was more of it because it's definitely is pricey but it's so much better than a vanilla syrup that you would buy from the store or get from like Starbucks like those generic brand ones because it's you know homemade and everything and I had ordered one because I wanted to try it really badly and I really loved it and everything But then I don't remember how I was making my coffee with it when I first tried it. But back in like November or early December, when I had to go to Austin for a recruiting event, there was an Alfred's in Austin and I had no idea they have one in Austin. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to go to this coffee shop because it is like a Tumblr OG place. I literally remember being like 14 on Tumblr and seeing like the heavily edited pictures of the girls like holding the Alfred's cup in their hand in LA. And it's just been an iconic thing <laughs> since I was young. So I was like, I've always wanted to just like try this because I used to see it on social media all the time. And the girl I was with that came to Austin with me, I was like, 
we wanted to, you know, park ourselves at a coffee shop for like an hour before our event because we got there early. So I was like, let's check out this Alfred's. It's right across the street from where we're going to be. So it was just, it was fate, honestly. And we went in the Alfred's and we got our overpriced drinks. Um, honestly, I don't remember what I got. I want to say I got a dirty chai because it was literally like four o'clock in the afternoon and I was like, I do not need a full-on, you know, cold brew or whatever right now, but getting a dirty chai was probably just as much caffeine anyways, honestly. So I got myself the dirty chai and I saw that they had the vanilla syrups there for sale and I was like, holy cow, I have to buy one while I'm here because I won't have to pay for the shipping that I normally would if I were to order it online. And I got it and it, I've just like had it in my fridge since then and I'm pretty sure they say to use it within two weeks of opening. But I've been drinking it in my coffee all week and nothing's happened, so I'm fine. Um, and it is so good. But the way I've been making it is I'll brew two of the blonde espresso Starbucks pods for my Nespresso Virtuo line uh, machine. And I'll brew two of those in like a blender bottle. And then I'll pour the syrup, like just a splash of it, probably about a tablespoon, I would say, of the syrup into the espresso. And then I add ice and a splash of oat milk and I kind of I use a blender bottle one so I can shake it and make a shake and espresso and two so that I have the little lines that I can go by for measurement and know like where I need to pour coffee or pour milk to in order for it to like taste right so I pour the I probably have I don't know how much of the oat milk I have in it but not much I mean like this coffee is dark when I'm done shaking it which when I first made it I was like I'm really scared to try this but it's actually phenomenal one of the best coffees I've ever had and I'm like crap this sucks because I'm gonna want to keep ordering this syrup and I really don't need to because it's expensive so I'm just trying to soak it up while I have it and I am really loving it but I'm gonna be very sad when I run out which is probably gonna be about three or four coffees from now because I'm definitely not going to be spending my money on the syrup right now it's just not in the budget so <laughs> that's my favorite this week but if you are looking for a really good coffee syrup and you want to try it out and you have the means to do so definitely order it online if it's in stock because i know it goes out of stock every now and then or if you have an alfred's near you run inside and grab some and try it out because it's so good so let's go ahead and get into the 20 questions i specifically picked out 20 questions because i wanted to call this 20 questions but the very first one is wedding planning updates i probably got like five questions about how wedding planning is going and if there are any updates um, we are currently in the process, like our big thing right now is our save the dates. So we're about to be getting addresses and then I hope to have them sent out like early June at the latest and it's like mid-April right now. So I really hope that that can happen. We just got back all of the rest of our pictures from our little engagement shoot we did. We didn't pay for it, which I'm so thankful for, but this photographer, which her name is Aleka Sinclair Photo, if you go to my personal Instagram, she's tagged on everything. She had reached out and asked if we wanted to take pictures and she had a mood board and it, honestly, all the mood board pictures looked like an engagement shoot. And I was like, honestly, let's treat this like an engagement shoot. So I wore like a white dress and I really wanted to have like just that feel to it. So we dressed up and went and did pictures a few weeks ago and she just sent us back all the full pictures or the full gallery two days ago. So we're in the process of deciding on which picture we want to use on the save the dates. And um, we're going to be doing 
I'm using Artifact Uprising because I'm actually working with them. Um, it's like unpaid, but it's, you know, in exchange for credit for me to use, which I'm so thankful for because every little bit of money that I'm saving helps. So I'm really looking forward to getting those situated. But as far as the things I still need to like book and do, hair and makeup, linens, I really need to get on the linens, but I just like putting it off because of how much it is because it's like the linens and then the chargers and the flatware and everything so it's pricey and then I need to decide on which florals I want to use from something bar blooms um because we're going to be using something bar blooms for all of our florals but I think my bouquet I'm going to actually get real florals and just have like a florist go off of the bridesmaid bouquets and all of like the centerpieces and everything from something bar blooms that I use and make my make me a real bouquet because I really want to have preserved flowers for my wedding that's just like something I've always really wanted so I will probably have a real bouquet but like all my bridesmaids will have the something bar blooms um silk florals that are like reusable or well you rent them whatever and if you are interested in that if you're a bride or a future bride I do have a discount code and if you use abby30 abby30 you'll get $30 off your order of $250 or more and I have been doing the same thing I'm doing with Artifact Uprising where I'm, you know, doing their campaigns in exchange for credit so that I can get my florals hopefully for a very minimal cost um, because I know they're really expensive, but I am using Something Bar Blooms intentionally, one, to share about them because it's such a great alternative to spending thousands of dollars on florals and it'll save me a lot of money, so I am glad about that, but... Those are like the biggest things and then finding an efficient, figuring that out. Um, but we have our DJ. I need to do, what do I, I said, okay, hair and makeup, um, figuring out the exact florals that I want from Something Bar Blooms and linens. I'd say those are like the biggest, the big three right now that I'm like really having to finalize. We have like the food because it's through our venue and we have the DJ, we have photographer, um, I have the court, day of coordinator. So those are like a lot of the really big things. I have my dress um, and getting me save the dates and then figuring out what we're going to do for like invitations because I really don't want to spend a lot on invitations. So I don't really know what I'm going to do there, um, but we'll figure it out. But that's kind of the update there. And it's just been really hard because I constantly find myself wishing we were eloping because of how much everything is costing, especially because I'm in such a di different financial position than I was this time last year and even from the time that I got engaged because brand deals were still doing really great for me and like I was still, you know, and I don't even think I'm necessarily I necessarily have like bad engagement or bad views or anything I just think that I'm going through like a dry spell for some reason but I'm hoping things will pick up soon because it's gives me a lot of anxiety knowing that like I when I was choosing you know like our venue and when we were doing a lot of like the size of the of the wedding how many people were inviting I was choosing a lot of those things based on you know how I was doing at the time and it, when things just like completely basically paused for six months for me almost, it's like, wait, uh, okay, this is a little scary, especially with, you know, being partially self-employed and relying on that um, and being just in like a weird spot. It's been really stressful for me to say the absolute least. <laughs> so 
I constantly find myself, you know, oh, I should have just eloped, should have done, you know, like I really wanted to do like a backyard style wedding, but I just didn't know anybody with a backyard. And I tried looking on Airbnb for something, but it would have ended up being the same as having a venue because of the cost of having to, you know, cater in everything else. Whereas my venue has a lot already included in terms of like tables, chairs, um, and decorations and food and bar and that kind of thing. So, but I'm trying to remind myself that, you know, I have always wanted, you know, to have a wedding and those thoughts of like wishing I eloped, I know are just from a place of fear and that's okay. And I think everyone should just do what works best for them. Um, it's just crazy how expensive everything is in the wedding industry. I just don't, I just feel like the markups are just getting to a point where it's just like, I don't know if this, how this is going to, I mean, people are paying it clearly. So I guess it is going to be sustainable for all the vendors, but it's just nuts. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just really hard to stomach how much money goes onto weddings and how much they cost, even when you're trying to make like the, the cheapest decision and like cut out the non-essentials for the most part. So it's really hard. The second question is top honeymoon destinations and bachelorette locations. So for bachelorette, I definitely want to go to a beach as far as I know. Um, I don't know for sure where we're going yet. And it's actually going to be really difficult because I we're getting married in December. And I don't know. I wanted to originally do like Veterans Day weekend for my bachelorette trip. But I don't think that's going to work going to any like United States beach location really. Because it'll probably be a little too chilly everywhere, or at least the places that I ideally would want to go. But then it's really hard to go in September and October because we personally have weddings to go to. And like my sister-in-law, I really obviously want her to be there and be a part of it. And she's like going out of the country for a few weeks. She's going, she has several weddings and um, like her whole like September, I feel like is booked up. And then I know September is busy for me for work, at least for the first couple weeks and then October's hard for me and it's just it's a lot so I don't really know for sure where we're going yet but I need to figure that out and then top honeymoon destinations we have no idea we quite literally have no idea we would probably do a really chill like ski snowboarding cabin type trip if we were going on a honeymoon right after we get married somewhere like local in the United States one I don't even know if we're going to be going on a honeymoon right after we get married it's going to depend on a lot of factors one being, you know, financial, the cost of everything, two just being job-wise, like I don't really, I don't know if I'll be able to, you know, easily take off right after because that'll be the beginning of busy season. So I don't really know what we'll do there. And I ideally would like to go to a beach somewhere. Like I think it would be really cool to go just somewhere like in the Bahamas or because I've never been or the British Virgin Islands or doing like California kind of road trip but just hitting like the main beaches and everything or just like a cool Lake Tahoe trip or something and I said all this skiing and snowboarding but we definitely won't do that because I've never been skiing or snowboarding and I definitely don't want to do it for the first time on my honeymoon because that would just be I want to be relaxing and I don't mind like doing activities if it's like on a beach if it's like surfing or walking or something but I don't want to do something that's like low-key dangerous and you have to like really, really learn how to do for the very first time on my honeymoon. You know what I mean? And then it's hard because Griffin, like, he like likes the beach and he likes going once he's there. But he isn't as crazy over the beach as I am. So I want it to be something that we both like enjoy and or can enjoy. And I think he will enjoy the beach no matter where we go. But um, 
I don't want to like force like if he he just burns easily so it's just not pleasant for him um and that kind of thing whereas I'm like I will just lather up in sunscreen and lay on the beach all day long because that's what I've literally done since I was a child so it's a lot more of a natural thing for me whereas it's not for him so that's kind of where we are there and I don't really know what's going to end up happening but I definitely know for my bachelorette trip I want a very chill vibe I literally want my butt in the sand and like chilling out um going to like local coffee shops and breakfast spots and then like really only going to like cocktail bars maybe and just having like a relaxing time I do not want to do anything crazy and spend you know copious amounts of money on alcohol like I just I'm, I'm good to go to like a cocktail bar and have a drink or two but I'm I really just I do not like getting drunk anymore I don't point blank period and number three, how to find balance between striving for your best and giving yourself grace career-wise. And I really like this question because I was kind of talking to my dad about this the other day. I feel like women have a really difficult time creating that boundary of, you know, when and when not to just like really give your 150% in your job. And like, I'm somebody who, when I when I have work to do, like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Obviously, during busy season, you know, more mistakes are more likely to be made because I'm having to turn things around a lot more quickly. I don't have as much time for self-review and that kind of thing. But I think as far as finding that balance, I mean, it is so hard because when I first started work, I just, like, went above and beyond on everything And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that I don't try my best now because I do. I try my best given, you know, the circumstances is how I like to put it. But you have to give yourself grace because it's like you're 100% not going to look the same every single day, especially, you know, depending on your workload for the day. And it's really hard to find that balance between, you know, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my all to this and giving yourself grace. Because if you give your 150%, 100% of the time, you're going to burn out. It's a sure, sure way to find burnout and end up being burnt out. And you don't want that to happen. You want to work hard enough to where you're like able to do your best, but in a sustainable way, in a way that you're not going to burn out. And I think that the biggest thing to do that, or the biggest way to do that is to make sure you know you are taking breaks so like when you're starting to feel a little burnout if you're able to take a half day of work take a full day off just like give yourself a second to recharge or if it's you know a really busy time at work like during busy season we aren't really like supposed to technically take off you can if there's like you know a a wedding that you're in or something like that but generally speaking you don't you try not to take off during busy season so in that situation if it's like I'm feeling in a place where I need to like give myself a little grace because I just am feeling really burnt out and overworked, then I typically will make sure that I'm like taking my time on my lunch break and I'm not, you know, like working through it, making sure I'm like stepping away and taking a walk if I need to, going to a workout class, whatever it may be. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, one, remembering that, especially if you're in like a corporate position, you can be replaced in an instant and it's the sad truth and I you know I think we all like to think that we're super valuable and that we're irreplaceable in our jobs but unfortunately that's just like not the truth so being real with yourself and reminding yourself like look my best is gonna look different every day and as long as you know I'm communicating with my teammates and I am you know 
doing the best given the circumstances, then that's enough. And I am enough as I am. I don't need to take on the jobs of other people or, you know, get involved with all these other extra things outside of my job role in order to prove my value. Like I am enough as I am for what I was hired to do type of thing. So I've really started, I feel like now that I've been in my job for over a year, I'd say right around the year mark, I started getting to a point where I was like, you know what, I, I need to be giving myself more grace because I have been, you know, pushing myself too hard in the sense of I thought I needed to say yes to anything that came my way when people asked if I could, you know, take on something extra, whereas now I'm being very selective with that. And if I'm like, okay, if this doesn't make sense with my schedule, I'm not going to try and fit it in. And I can't be hard on myself about that. Like I have to, you know, be able to stand up for myself and say no type of thing. I don't really know if I answered your question, but I do think it was a good question. Number five, I, or number four, I really like this one. And it says five non-material goals you're currently working towards. So the first one is freeing myself from the pressure to have things figured out because I constantly in my head every single day, I'm like a squirrel or it's like that squirrel thinking where it's like you have a thought and you're like, oh, that would be really cool to do with my life or with my career or, oh, it'd be really cool to live here or, and it's just like these thoughts that are constantly firing off in my head or I see someone post something on social media about like the job they have. I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. And it's me constantly thinking, you know, of trying to just cling to anything that sounds like something I could do and just like clinging to it and feeling like I need to have things figured out. And I think I feel this way because I am not content in my career right now. And I know it's not what I want to be doing for forever. And because I feel that way, I'm constantly trying to, you know, feel like I have things figured out as a way for me to feel like I'm in control because I feel very out of control right now of my life and because I don't know what's next for myself so I feel like I'm constantly I have this I feel like there's this pressure to, for me to like know what I'm doing next and to have things figured out but I'm trying to remind myself one I don't have to do the same thing for the rest of my life I am perfectly fine with doing completely unrelated jobs for the rest of my life. And I honestly think that sounds a lot more up my alley and in alignment with myself than doing the same thing for forever does. And I'd rather, you know, be more of a generalist than be a specialist in something so super specific. You know what I mean? So trying to just really free myself from that pressure. And then the second one is trusting God more and just relinquishing that need for control. Um, Like I just said, I feel like I'm, you know, I feel very out of control of my life. But at the same time, I feel like I am hesitant to make a lot of decisions and do a lot of things because I do any, the things that I do and that I choose to do are because I feel like I have control over them and I feel like they're safe and I feel like they're, I can anticipate what's coming next with them and that kind of thing. And I just want to be better about just letting go and letting God like truly I know that that's such a cliche phrase but just trusting God more in my life I know I don't talk about religion and my beliefs and everything a lot on here but it's mainly just because I'm just in like this weird spot of knowing that I do believe in God and that I you know desire a strong relationship with him because honestly like praying and just trusting that God does have a plan plan for my life, have a lot of peace with all of those things. 
And I find that in my 20s, especially like since I've been now that I'm 25 and like I'd say in my 24th year of life, I really started having a lot of these realizations of just wanting to cling to everything that brings me more peace mentally and just internally. And one of those things is, you know, trusting that things will work out under God's plan and that I, you know, can pray and those kinds of things. But at the same time, I really struggle with a lot of the, just with church, I think I have some church hurt from growing up that I just haven't really dealt with. And I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the more social aspects. I I struggle with a lot of that because I personally a lot of I think my more my social beliefs just don't really align with a lot of what the church says so it's really hard because <laughs> I'm just like struggling with a lot of that sorry if this is too much or if it just like confuses you but I just I don't know I, I really struggle with it and with all that being said I'm like sitting here like what am I even answering right now but non-material goal just trusting God more and really getting to a place where not only am I like saying, okay, I trust God and his like will with my life, but like actually believing it, you know, and just giving up that need to control what's going to happen next in my life and every little thing. And just trusting that, you know, with, through faith, like in him and like that kind of thing, it's going to work out and, um, be okay. And that, that, that thought brings me peace, but I just find myself not believing it a lot. I tell it to myself a lot and I'll like read it and I'll say it to myself, but I really find myself not believing it a lot. So just really working on like actually believing those things. And the third, um, non-material goal that I'm currently working towards is finding my place in social media. I have felt like just this, like an outcast, a washed up, um, worthless POS when it comes to social media lately, to be completely honest. I have just really been struggling with my place in social media because I, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I feel like going into working a full-time job and doing content creation, I had this idea of how it was going to go in my head and it didn't really go that way. I was thinking that, you know, I'd, my audience would grow in the sense of I would, start to get more of a following of people my age. And while I do think that's happened, it's just been on a small scale just because I really was hoping that things would just sort of pivot overnight instantly almost because I had seen so many other people do what I'm doing now and go work a full-time job and do content creation. And they really like grew a completely different audience of people that were more their age and the working world and everything. I, you know, grew such a college-focused audience and like that's what those the people who followed me cared about that now I'm in a position where it's just like I just feel like I'm misplaced in a way and I just don't really know where my place is in social media because I want to keep doing it and I love doing it and it's such a good creative outlet for me and I care about it so much I would still be doing it if even if I didn't make you know money from it I know I would still be sitting here having my podcast and creating videos and everything and I love it and care about it so much and I never want to give it up, but I just really want to find my place because I think with TikTok, it really eliminated the ability to be creative with content because it TikTok just makes everything feel like it is an original. Like there never feels like there is original content out there where I feel like you would really 
when I, when before pre TikTok days, when it was like YouTube was the main thing, I felt like I had a, a much easier time coming up with different video ideas and being more creative with things because there just wasn't so there. I mean, was there a lot of content? Yes. But now with TikTok, it's like amplified 10 times more. And I feel like nothing is original and it's really uninspiring to just, and just not motivating at all when it feels like everything's already kind of been done and it feels like everyone's just doing what's trending. And I really want to get to a place where I, you know, find the style of content that I want to create. And I'm just like in my own lane doing my thing and not feeling the pressure to like do all these trends because since I feel really misplaced right now, I honestly find myself trying to just do what is trendy and like working for other people. And that's just not how I want it to be. I want it to be very authentic and true to me. And while I do think everything I'm doing right now is authentic and true to me, I think that my creative touch isn't really there in a lot of my content because everything feels like it's already been done and it's just not motivating. And I just feel very misplaced. And um, I often, you know, will get in these really like negative headspaces where I'm just very self-deprecating in terms of me being on social media and just like telling myself that I'm a failure and that, you know, because I'm not where I was two years ago, I'm a failure, but that's like literally not true. Um, but I, to be completely honest, I have those thoughts and that happens. And I just want to get to a place where I know like the content I'm creating and I, it feels true to me and it's, you know, I don't know. I, and it feels that way right now. I just feel like it could be, more and better and I just feel like I'm kind of in this weird place of feeling lost because my con I I don't know my content's always been centered around my lifestyle in college or when I was in college everything was about like college like college day in life college week in life whatever and you know any of my sit down videos were usually centered around college and because of that you know my audience was very (laughs) college focused and you know, now that I'm in the postgrad world, I've made a lot of my content about that and about being in the working world and everything. But I want to separate my identity from the phase of life I'm in and have more of just a strong presence and identity as myself instead of the things that I do as my online presence, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what I mean, what I mean by finding my place in social media, because I've just felt very lost and just confused <laughs> lately, honestly. Um, and number four for non-material goals is to build a more peaceful life and just focus more on slow living. And I think that I'm like gradually doing this. Do I have a slow life? Absolutely not. But I do find myself being better about, you know, having hard boundaries when it comes to saying yes to things that um, I truly want to do, saying no th- to things that I don't want to do. And um, not across the board, of course, because there are, are areas in your life where you compromise and make sacrifices and stuff. But just, you know, doing as much as I can to lead a more peaceful life and make decisions that bring me inner peace. And number five for non-material goals is to stop making fear-based decisions. Um, Kind of going along with the quote for today, um, the more decisions that I make out of fear, I feel like the more I stray from a life in alignment with my true self and my values. And I just want to be making more decisions out of, you know, passion and hope and that kind of thing instead of making all of my decisions out of fear because it does nothing but drive me farther from where I want to be in my true self. So those are my five non-material goals that I'm currently working towards and I really like that question. Number six, um, what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now? 
So two things, um, just because I think they're both equal negative forces in my life right now. One is, to be completely honest, finances. I've already mentioned it a little bit for me to note that this is subjective. Like when I say I'm struggling with finances, it's not going to, it doesn't mean like this one objective thing. It doesn't mean that I'm out of money or that I'm like not able to save money. You know what I mean? It's just, it's subjective. And feeling like you're struggling with finances is going to be different from person to person. And I feel this way because things have, you know, just slowed down so much with my content creation income and influencer income, whatever you want, you want to call it. But at the same time, my expenses are a lot higher because of having to pay for a wedding. And I'm not fully paying for my wedding, but I'm paying for a good bit of it. And that is stressful because like I said, I made decisions on wedding related things and having a wedding based on how I was financially doing at one point in my life. And things have changed quite a bit since then. And now I'm in a position where I'm like, great, I committed to all this stuff. And now I'm like stressed because it's not the way it used to be. And of course this happens when I, you know, am getting married. And of course this happens when I am, you know, trying to think about what career I'm going to be doing next. And of course this happens when right after, you know, buying a home. And of course this happens when my estimated taxes I have to pay quarterly are higher than they've ever been. Like I, it just, it's just like the timing of all of it really stresses me out. And knowing that there's only like eight months left is so stressful because for a while I was like, oh, I have about a year because we, when all is said and done, our engagement will have been basically 15 months long. And I'm like, I don't even know how people do 12 months or less than 12 months because I am just like, holy cow, one, how do you pay for it? And two, like, how do you get all of that done with working? It's so crazy. So Struggling with finances, to be completely honest, just, and when I say struggling, I just mean like I'm very stressed out by them um, or because of them. And I am trying not to have like this chaotic, stressed out mindset because it's not going to do me any good. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to turn it into, you know, motivation to like just work really hard with content creating and with YouTube and everything. And, um, but at the same time, it's like I haven't changed anything. It's not like I'm uploading less or, I'm not doing the podcast as much anymore. Like, no, everything's the same in terms of like the effort I'm putting in and everything like that. It's just genuinely slowed down. So because of that, I am stressed. But then my other biggest challenge is just, um, like I said, with, you know, really letting go of the need to feel like I should have things figured out um, and really just, I, I, when I initially read this question, I had said, okay, like my biggest challenge is like figuring out what I want to do with my life in terms of my career and my job. But then in the same breath, when we're talking about five non-material goals, I said, you know, letting go of the need to feel like I need to have things figured out. So that's kind of contradicting, but ultimately just making decisions and taking action for my career and like what I want to do with my life. Um, that's another big challenge that I'm facing because I just feel like I have so many interests and I just don't really know where to pivot once my time in a public accounting is done and I don't have like a hard you know date to say like oh my time in public accounting is gonna be done on this day like I truly don't know if I'm gonna be here for one more year for five more years I really don't know um, I'm, I just know it's not a forever thing, you know what I mean? And I'm taking things day by day. So I think my biggest challenges are definitely just stressing with finances and 
making decisions and taking action for what I want to do in terms of, you know, like my job and my career. And number seven or number six, sorry, I'm like off on my numbers. Building trust in a relationship after bad previous experiences. Um, This person was basically just asking about how to build trust up when you don't really have any. And I totally get this because I've definitely talked about it in like episodes a long time ago, but I definitely had trust issues when uh, my now fiance and I got in a relationship and part of it was from you know just I wasn't getting the communication I felt like I needed and that was just like a difference in communication styles honestly and then two I did have trust issues from past relationships going into my relationship and I never really healed from those or like worked on them going into my relationship I have now so I struggled with that a lot early on in my relationship with my now fiance however now we have like a completely different relationship than when we first were together and it's you know way better and way we understand each other more it's a lot healthier in terms of like our communication and um you know really striving to meet each other's needs and everything like that but I think the biggest way to build trust in a relationship after you've had you know times where you've been burned and people have broken your trust is one to remember that you know you can't uphold people to the same standards in terms of okay like this person hurt me so that means every single person afterwards is also going to hurt me because at that point you're kind of turning it into a personal thing and you're kind of making it to be where oh like I I am somebody who gets hurt by people so that's just going to be how it is forever and you don't want to think that way and so remembering that you know each new partner you have is a clean slate and you have to you know basically get to a point where it's like okay I know I've been hurt before but that doesn't mean that that's just because that one person did it it's not going to set the precedent for all of my other relationships to follow and I think that building trust is all about communication and respecting one another and respecting the communication that's needed and everything and you know if you're somebody who can go all day without talking to your significant other or if you're somebody who needs to you know (laughs) be communicating with your significant other all day everybody's different um but that's something that you need to communicate with your partner and I think that another thing you need to communicate with your partner is that you have been hurt before you don't have to necessarily like go into detail and be like all of this terrible stuff happened with this person because then that's gonna just gonna sound like you're still kind of like hung up on it and caught up on it so definitely give yourself time to heal from it And remind yourself, you know, that if someone has broken your trust and, you know, did you wrong, you really have to remember it's a them problem and not a you problem and not carry that. It's not it's not your burden and your weight to carry into your next relationship or to carry in general like that person did that to you and you're allowed to feel what you need to feel in that regard, but you can't blame yourself for it. But going into that new relationship, I think it's really important to communicate like, look, this is this has happened to me before in the past and you know I've accepted and moved on from it but if I you know I I think starting out in this relationship it'll be really helpful if you know we can communicate about this or whatever it may be just starting out once we learn to you know trust each other and everything then that is more effective than just like pretending it didn't happen and just like either A, expecting it to happen again in your next relationship, or B, just like living like it didn't happen and not communicating it with 
you know, your new partner. And it's really hard because if you've had bad previous experiences, it's so easy to think that, you know, that's just how it's going to be. But each person presents like a new opportunity for a relationship to, you know, bloom into something. And it's going to be different with everyone. And you just have to like remind yourself how, think of how unrealistic it is to expect your relationship with one human being to be the exact same as it is with another human being. And when I like remind myself of that and give myself that reality check, it definitely helps a lot. And the next question is, how do you know what's best for you when you're constantly surrounded by peer pressure? And I think that this all boils down to knowing yourself and accepting yourself. And I'm going to be annoying and say it like I do in all my episodes, basically, but knowing your values and knowing what's best for you is all about, you know, trusting your intuition. And, you know, there are going to be times where you're presented with a decision you need to make or you're presented with an opportunity for something and you're not really going to be able to discern okay, what is, you know, most authentic to me or what's best for me? And you kind of just have to go with your gut in those situations and think of what is most in alignment with, you know, what matters to you and what you care about. And think about that at the end of the day. And if you're constantly surrounded by peer pressure, I think one, you need to like reevaluate your circle and ask yourself, you know, why are the people in my life always pressuring me to do things that, you know, either I don't want to do or are in alignment with me? Um, in my lifestyle. And it's okay to have some of that in your life. But if you know, you feel like it's a constant thing, then, you know, you should probably reevaluate who you're spending your time with, because you want to be surrounded by people that, you know, support you and aren't trying to pressure you to do things that you're not comfortable with, or that you don't want to do. And it's good to have people who challenge you and everything. But there's a difference between that and somebody pressuring you to do something that you've like clearly made clear that you're not comfortable with doing. And I think that just knowing what's best for you, you kind of have to let go of that desire to feel 100% confidence when it comes to making decisions and doing things and just sort of come to the realization that there are going to be many things where you don't really feel like you know what's best for you and you just have to you know take a step back ask yourself how does this decision or action align with you know what matters most to me and my values and how will it impact others in my life how it impact my life, and then, you know, make decisions going from there with asking yourself those questions. Next question, do you have any regrets in your choice of career? Um, yes and no. I say no because I don't want to say I regret it because I believe I'm at where I'm at for a reason. And I, you know, kind of went into accounting knowing that it would be helpful if I ever owned my own business one day. And knowing that it was a safe job and at the time that was what I cared about and that's fine. Um, and honestly, I still care about having, you know, a somewhat safe job right now too, given the state of the economy, but I don't put it on a pedestal like I once did. And I say yes, because I think I've always known this wasn't an alignment for me. I was just more in denial of it in college. Like I would, I remember like changing my major and going to my classes and just feeling so like just like I was living another life, you know, and it was just like not truly me. And, and, and I just kind of went with it. Like I kept going with it and I kept faking it. And I think that, you know, if I would have been more self-accepting and just more authentic in college, I probably would have been in a different major and I would have 
done a different career path and I can sit here and get caught up on the what, what ifs, but ultimately I can't change them. So I'm not going to sit here and dwell on them. And I get a lot more peace in believing that I am where I am for a reason and that my experience right now is invaluable and it will absolutely help me in so many ways even if I don't end up doing anything remotely related to accounting down the road I have you know learned how to work with teams learned how to work with people that I don't work well with I have you know learned how to work hard under pressure with tight deadlines I have really exercised immaculate discipline with working from home Um, and all kinds of things like that. And there's so many skills that I've learned and communication skills and just networking and stuff that has truly been invaluable. So I think regardless, I can't sit here and say I regret it, but at the same time, it is, I do say I regret it in a way just because I think all, it has been something inauthentic to me the whole time. Um, but with that being said, I do think I am where I am for a reason. Number 10, the biggest lesson I've learned since post-grad. Actually, I think this is number nine. Sorry, guys. I keep, I don't know what number we're on. This might end up being 19 questions because I do think I deleted one because I was going to answer, I wanted to answer it on my Instagram story instead because it felt more in alignment with that audience and just that kind of like format. So whatever, 20 questions, 19 questions, whatever number we're on. Biggest lesson I've learned since post-grad. Um, I think this, the biggest lesson is the sooner you accept yourself, the sooner you'll live a life that you feel proud of and that you enjoy. And I think that I have spent so much of my life denying my true interests and trying to be, you know, just the best person I could be in as many people's eyes as possible and what I mean by that is basically just being a person that pleases as many people as possible and kind of neglecting all of my own interests and passions for the sake of doing that. And I think that I've come to that realization so strongly during post-grad because I am living in the consequences of not prioritizing my own interests and my own passions now because the job I'm working right now and my lifestyle and everything is a direct consequence of, you know, not listening to myself and doing what I truly was interested, interested in and passionate about in high school, college, whatever. So I think that that's a really big lesson that I've learned is that, you know, letting go of people pleasing, making decisions for yourself and letting go of the need to be somebody you're not is so important to do as early as possible and it's so important to learn your values as early as possible so you can make sound decisions and the sooner you accept yourself for who you are and stop trying to you know put yourself in a box or make yourself fit um in someone else's box or make yourself please as many people as possible the sooner you can stop doing all that and just accept yourself as enough and whole as you are the sooner you're going to be happy, you know, with your life and live a life you're proud of. And I don't necessarily mean that you're not going to have any, it's going to be a stress-free, problem-free, you're going to be the happiest person ever kind of life. But I think that you will be happier with your decisions that you've made and live a life that you're more proud of if you accept yourself sooner. And the next question is, do you have imposter syndrome from being a woman in a male-dominated field? Yes and no. Um, first of all, I think my imposter syndrome more so just comes from like when I think about what I'm actually doing at the end of the day, when I think about the fact that I'm like preparing tax returns for, you know, some small companies, some huge companies. And 
when I think about that, I'm like, oh my God, like this is a little scary. And when I think about what I do, am going to do next, like I would love to be a professor at a school. I don't really want to teach accounting. I would much rather teach economics, but I'm not qualified to do that. But I could teach, if I stayed in public accounting for like five years, I could probably go teach at a university. Um, but I can go teach at like a local, you know, call community college or state college with just like a year of accounting experience and my master's. So anytime I think about like pivoting and doing something like that, I freak out because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm not qualified enough. I don't know enough. And I definitely freak out. But it's like, if that's what they say the qualifications are, then like I, by, by their rules, I'm fine. Like I, I shouldn't feel this imposter syndrome. Um, and I think that that's where my imposter syndrome typically stems from when I think of things like that. Um, and it's so funny, like be, with being a woman in a male dominated field, because I quite literally have worked with two men in my entire time in my job. I mainly work with women and majority, like basically all but one person in my start group for the time of year that I started, there was only one guy, I I think if I remember correctly. And when we like go to our recruiting events, way more women than men, um, at least for the schools that I'm recruiting for, for tax. And that's, that may be a completely different story for like audit assurance and things like that. But I work with mainly women and we, I like it's crazy because a lot of my teams are actually all women except for the partner. So it's like really crazy to see that most of the partner level people, so the people who have been around for a long time and, you know, obviously more executive type positions typically are men, but it's so inspiring and incredible to see how many women are actually in the industry and you know we may be more at the bottom but that just means that it's going to be a lot of women taking over down the road you know what I mean and I love working with women and I feel like I work really well with women and everything and I, I work great with the guys I work with too for the most part so it's just like and you know who you vibe with working with it's not really it, it's just kind of subjective it just depends on your working style and the other person's working style and like whether or not you're communicating and everything but I truly find it just so inspiring how many women are actually in tax because I remember going into it thinking that it was just going to be like a ton of men but I actually there there are so few men and it's mainly women in my experience in my city my main subservice line and my um just overall like office I feel like it's really crazy especially especially specifically at tax so I don't really feel the imposter syndrome necessarily from being a woman um when I do look at partners I do tend to like I do feel that way sometimes but knowing that there are just some really amazing incredible women that I work with who will eventually be in that position one day probably I'm like, if they can do it, so can I. You know what I mean? Like, and not that that's what I want to do, but it's inspiring because I'm like, these women are incredible and they're doing a great job. And, you know, it's really inspiring to see that there will be, you know, more females at the partner level in the future. Um, The next question is, what do you do to get out of a funk? So I typically like to do things that keep me occupied mentally and physically to get out of a funk because when I'm in a funk the worst thing I can do for myself is sulk and just 
sit in the funk. And don't get me wrong, I like to let myself sit in it for a period of time. Like, you know, just have like an evening where I just kind of sulk in my funk and I'm like, okay, I'm not feeling great right now. Everything's feeling really off. I'm just gonna rot on my phone and, you know, let it be. Because sometimes that just, that's what you need. You know what I mean? And, but I don't like to let that continue for longer than, you know, like an hour or two (laughs) or for a night, whatever. And so I like to just do things that, you know, really just make me feel more alive and just sort of reignite passion in me. So thinking of the things that I enjoyed doing when I was a child and just sort of like trying to dive into those things and then also just doing things that keep me physically occupied and my hands occupied and my brain occupied. So like going to a workout class, for example, when I go to a workout class, I am there. I can't, you know, dwell on my funk per se because I'm having to like pay attention to this workout class at what moves I need to be doing next or what station I'm going to next that kind of thing and I'm you know moving my body and I'm getting endorphins from this and then I think of even you know playing video games for example like playing Animal Crossing I love playing Animal Crossing playing Mario Kart when I was little and it's such a mindless activity but it keeps your hands occupied and your brain occupied for the time being and it's sort of just like allows me to get out of my own head so basically what I mean by all of that is just doing things that allow me to get out of my own head and then I typically will try to just find inspiration and if I can't find it then I create it so it's like I think we a lot of times when we're in a funk we're like oh I just need to feel inspired again and we kind of just like look at our current situation and we're like oh nothing's really inspiring me about my current situation so in order to get inspired I'm like okay I've got to create inspiration somehow so I will either make some sort of a vision board. I will sort of define some short-term goals for myself. I'll go on Pinterest and just create a board for the season and just be like, okay, this is kind of how I want things to go or how I want my life to feel and that kind of thing. And I typically will try to talk to someone about it, whether it's my therapist or my fiance or my friends about how I'm feeling in a funk and talking it out usually makes it feel a lot better because you're not keeping it all bundled up inside of you. And when you're able to actually like verbalize it, you're able to sort of just let go of it in a way. So really just doing things that help me feel inspired and really finding as much as I can to get that, you know, spark of inspiration going again. And just remembering, one, giving yourself grace and two, remembering that like it's temporary and that we're going to go through times in life where we feel like we're at the top of the mountain and we're going to go through times in life when we're, we really feel like we're just stuck in a valley and we're never going to get out of it but it's so important to remember that you will get out of it like it there is a peak after the valley you're in for sure and it's so hard to remember that when you're in it but it's so important to remind yourself of that the next question is are you enjoying public accounting still um whoever said I was enjoying it (laughs) but actually like I don't want to sit here and be like all negative Nancy all the time about my job because honestly Being able to work from home is such a blessing. I love that I'm able to be with my dog like all day. I love that if I need to go pick up a grocery order on my lunch break, I can. I love that I can go easily do a workout class on my lunch break if I want to. Um, I love that I don't have to like put on makeup and pick out an outfit every single day and commute every single day. And I'm so grateful for all of those things, like immensely grateful. So in that terms of public accounting, I enjoy that because it's really good for my lifestyle and I'm able to save a lot of time not having to get ready and not having to commute, which is great for my podcast and for YouTube because that if I had to commute every single day and if I had to get ready every single day, there's no way in hell I'd be able to freaking 
manage a podcast and a YouTube channel too on top of my job. Like I wouldn't be able to do all of it. But I literally probably have an extra two and a half to three hours of my day because I'm not having to get ready and because I'm not having the commute. And that is so valuable to me. So I'm very thankful for that. And I enjoy that aspect of it. I do enjoy a lot of like my benefits. I love the wellness fund that my job has where I can expense a lot of like wellness related things up to a thousand dollars and I love that I have access to gym pass through my job because it allows me to do something that I care about a lot which is maintaining my health and my fitness and going to workout classes for a super discounted rate compared to what I would be paying if I didn't work this job so I can sit here those are like a lot of the positive things that I can say um as far as the nature of my actual work goes and like my tasks no I don't enjoy it like honestly it's just not for me and I think that I would thrive much more in a position where I have much more of a steady like predictable workflow rather than like insanely busy for a period of time and then not busy at all for a period of time I think I just do better a lot better with a steady situation but nonetheless I am beyond grateful for my job and just so thankful to even have a job right now with the economy and I am really incredibly thankful for the teams I work with because I finally feel like I'm at a place where I really love my teams and I work really well with all of them and I just felt really kind of strung out and all over the place when I first started because I was working in so many different groups but now I really work with you know one specific group of tax and because of that like I work with a lot of the same people and I love all of my teams and I'm so grateful that I'm able to say that because it hasn't always necessarily been that way where I've, you know, felt comfortable with my teams and everything. So I'm really thankful for that too. So I wanted to say, like, while I am not enjoying public accounting, as far as the job itself goes, there are there are a lot of pros and things that I do enjoy in terms of, like, where I'm at right now with, like, my job and my life. So I, And I wanted to highlight those because I know a lot of people who follow me are either in accounting or they're in college for accounting or they will be in public accounting eventually and I know when I was in college I heard nothing but terrible things and it was so discouraging to hear so while I sit here and complain about it a lot just know it's because it's personal to me and it's because it's misaligned from what I think I need to be doing and should be doing in terms of what's best for myself but there are things that are great about it that, you know, I am thankful for and that I do enjoy. And I definitely want to be sure to highlight those two and not only focus on the negatives because I I wish when I was, you know, an undergrad in accounting, I wish I saw more people speaking more highly and positively of the field and the profession because it was nothing but negative and it was so discouraging. Next question, what is your dream job? Um, I've answered this before. I definitely have talked about how, like, when I was little, I think I, like, wanted to be, like, a meteorologist or a Today Show host and that was, like my like far-fetched dreams um I don't love science though so I would like never be a meteorologist because of that I feel like but I have always been fascinated by weather and I've talked to you guys about that but ultimately I think my dream job is just owning my own business and having autonomy over my schedule and ultimately it would be like this trifecta of you know that personal autonomy having my being involved in something I'm passionate about and helping others in some capacity because that helps me feel fulfilled that's like the biggest path to fulfillment for me is helping others in some way shape or form so 
something that checks all those boxes ultimately, which is really hard because I feel like that's kind of what most people want in their job. And I feel like we always have to pick one of the three or like two of the three if you're lucky. So that's really hard. But I think ultimately like something that just like allows me to live like a slow life. Like I don't, I used to want to just be like this, you know, world changer and just like, and I still do. Like part of me still really believes that I have it in me to like really innovate something in a really great and profound way but like I just obviously like I don't know what that is and I believe that for myself I truly do but at the same time like I think a lot of times I believed that when I was younger for the wrong reasons because I believed it would gain me a certain level of respect and status whereas now I believe it because I truly think I have it in me but before, I think I believed it just because I, I was like, oh, that will get me financial security and that will get me respect from others without having to, you know, like constantly people please. And that's believing that for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? And I'm now at a point where it's like, like, do I want financial stability and like just to feel at peace with like finances and everything and it's so hard because it's like when you grow up with a rocky relationship with money it's like when does it ever go away because it's like it's always kind of there even when you're in a position where you're fine and absolutely blessed beyond belief and that's so hard and for me because I'm like okay I'm I'm okay like why am I still thinking this way and everything but ultimately I think that something that I've always like would just I've always thought I'd love to own like a coffee shop my own business even just like a surf shop. I don't, I don't know, just like something like that. But I think a lot of the reason why I think about that being like a dream job is because I live in something like the way I live right now is so just different and not what I expected I would be doing. So I think that I, I have that desire to just like escape to the woods and like live on a farm because I'm like wanting to retreat from the life I am living, if that makes sense. But I really don't know. Just ultimately, the blanket statement for this question is just owning my own business and helping others in some way, shape, or form. I think that's the biggest thing. But as of recently, um, just for fun, we can talk about it. I've been really interested in just like nutrition and health lately. And because of that, I think some days I always find myself thinking like it'd be so cool to be like a personal trainer or a dietitian or something. But it's like, I don't really know if it's just a phase because I'm like really in tune with it and in alignment with it right now. And I think I'm so in tune and in alignment with my mental health and my physical health and wellness right now because it's like one thing I have control over. So I'm clinging to it for dear life um, and really committing to it because it makes me feel like I'm in control. And I think that that's why I'm like so into it. Whereas if I was super content with my job, I probably wouldn't be like so adamant and like so crazy disciplined with, you know, working out as often and everything like that because it's such an escape for me now. But I think that it's served as an escape for long enough to where it's developed into something that I do genuinely, truly love and care about. Because if I was only doing it as a means of escape, I think I would have burnt out of it by now, if that makes sense. So, um, and ultimately, like I said, I don't really know if that's just like a phase thing or what, but um, who knows? And also like being like a teacher, I think I always wanted to be a teacher when I was younger too, because I would always play school in my mom's classroom growing up because she was a teacher my grandma was also a teacher so it's literally in my blood um but ultimately I have always said I would rather be like a high school or like high school teacher or a professor and that's something I truly do like see for myself like I 
if the economy wasn't crap right now, I would honestly probably wouldn't be surprised if I got my PhD in like economics and then like went straight into academia. Um, I would totally do that, but I wouldn't do that right now. <laughs> and I say I would totally do that, but that's not necessarily true. It would be really hard to go back to school. Um, so I really don't think that that's necessarily true, <laughs> even though I'm sitting here like I would definitely do that, but I don't really know, you know. Um, but ultimately, just something, my dream job is something that allows me to have myself involved in something I really care about, help others, and, you know, have that personal autonomy so that I can have a good work-life balance. And that's kind of, like, always been the big three for me in terms of the things that I want to check. But I will say that I prioritized um, stability over having a good work-life balance when I was, like, picking my career and job when I was younger. So um, I think that now that I've lived a job and work in a job that doesn't have the best work-life balance, I'm able to sit here and say I care more about the work-life balance than the stability. Um, And I don't know, maybe I don't actually believe that, but right now I do. (laughs) And the next question is advice on keeping up with relationships during busy season. So this one's really hard because when you're in busy season, it's just like pure chaos and it literally feels like you're waking up going to work and then logging off work and immediately going to bed and not even feels like that is what you're doing during busy season for the most part and if you're lucky you know you're able to you know step away for a bit and you know have dinner and go to a workout class but then it's really hard to get back on the work at night but you just have to do it but the biggest piece of advice that I have is to be intentional and be intentional with the moments in your day that are necessities and already exist. So for example, meals, you're going to be eating dinner, you're going to be eating breakfast. So eat as many meals as possible with your significant other and be intentional about them, you know, like turn the TV off, have conversation with them, have like an old fashioned dinner with them or have them help you with cooking the meal so that you are creating that time together and things that you would already be doing, whether or not it was busy season, you know what I mean? And then If you want to take it a step further, you know, you need to create moments where you can have true quality time together, whether that's, you know, during your break um, that you take, whether that's at lunch or in between dinner and working at night, or maybe it's in the morning when you're both getting ready for work, you know, go on a walk or read something together. I don't know, just something that you all can do together, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, it's going to make the biggest difference. And I think that that's what we really had to realize because, for us it was like my fiance griffin and even before we were engaged it was always like initially it was this expectation where it was like i needed to be he was like we need to spend more time together i'm like i know it's really hard because you know work blah 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 but i also feel like a piece of crap for sitting here saying that my work is more important than my relationship but at the time like it's like okay like it kind of is like i'm having to like have a shift in priorities right now and it's really hard But ultimately, just communicating like, hey, I'm going to be really busy this week. Can we please set aside time to go get breakfast together Saturday morning? Because even when you're working on the weekends, you have more free time on the weekends than you do during the week. And you do have time, I would hope. And if you don't, then like you seriously need to leave your job. But you should have time to at least go get breakfast or go get dinner um, even when you're working on the weekend. So we always made it a priority like Saturday mornings were like our time together where we would go to a a new coffee shop together and we would have that time in the car together and then we'd have the time in the coffee shop together and then I would come back home and I'd work and then typically it'd only be you know a couple hours on on Saturdays max it's usually like five or six hours and then you know you have the rest of your day so just 
being really intentional about the time that's that you do have and then I think it's really important you know to to just communicate with your significant other because I think Griffin initially thought my fiance he thought that I would be able to you know just be like oh like I can you know work on this work later and I can spend this entire evening with him but I had to tell him I had to be like look like we just have to really cherish the little time we do get and remember that you know 15 minutes is better than nothing and that it's probably not going to be you know a situation where we can hang out for three hours straight on a, a weeknight because of how busy I am so you know, we have to just make the most of our time on the weekends together and the free time we do have. The next question is tips on avoiding consumerism as an active woman on social media. I totally feel this, especially now that I'm like planning for a wedding. I'm realizing how many purchases I made just like when I was in college that were purely in an effort to just sort of like fit in with what was trending on social media and in an effort to just appeal to my audience and I'm like wow I wasted so much money on just like material things in an effort to just like appear a certain way which was just really stupid just funny because it's like if once you get engaged and you're about to get married you're just not going to want to spend any money anymore and you're going to like really have a lot more clear of a vision of how ridiculous the consumerism is on social media because I'm at a point like with <laughs> wedding planning and everything I'm like I don't want to spend any extra money so it's like anytime I like feel like the consumerism is too heavy I'm like disgusted with social media and I have to get off because I'm just like I cannot do this um but it's really about instant gratification you know because I think a lot of us are purchasing things and like buying into consumerism and you know trying so so hard to follow trends and everything because we're trying to fill some other void in our life so anytime that I find myself getting like caught up with consumerism or I find myself like wanting to go buy something immediately that someone shared on social media I always try to ask myself before each purchase you know why am I buying this why do I feel like I need this or want this and really getting behind that why and being honest with yourself will truly get you out of purchasing so many things because chances are you already have something that serves that same purpose that what you're wanting to buy would give you or you don't you're just trying to get it to you know follow a trend and it's not even going to be in style anymore in a couple months or a year and we just purchase a lot of things unnecessarily in an effort to fill some other void in our lives and we don't even realize it and I've really gotten in a habit of asking myself those questions and then following those questions up with, like I said, do I already have something similar that will get the job done? And if the answer to that is no, then I put it on a list. And basically it's like this list that makes you sort of practice patience and delayed gratification. And basically on this list, you can just put anything you've had your eye on or that you've like almost purchased or that you really want. And then you can just check in with that list like every couple of weeks or monthly. And I just will take things off if I haven't thought about them much after that initial exposure to the item or the initial thought. Or I'll keep them on if I've like been constantly thinking about them since I saw it. And this really helps because it really helps you identify things that you were going to buy just because you're trying to buy into a trend or you're trying to fill some void or maybe you had a rough day and you were just trying to treat yourself or something which is totally fine we all do that from time to time but it really helps you distinguish between that and something that you actually are trying to purchase because it's going to solve a problem in your life or help you fulfill a need that you have in your life and 
that is what's been really helpful for me. And honestly, avoiding consumerism too unfollow people or mute people whatever it may be I recently unfollowed a couple people that like I just felt like I I was like I just don't really feel like I need to follow them anymore because it's just like one whether it's people you personally know in your life or it's influencers if you know chances are if somebody's a content creator and they have a following they're going to be pushing product because that's part of their job right and just because they're doing that doesn't mean you need to unfollow them I'm just saying unfollow people that you just feel like there, there were just certain people I followed and I just felt like everything was about just like brand name this, brand name that, or, you know, constantly pushing something even when it just didn't even like seem like it made sense and just always felt like, and a lot of it is probably like a me problem and not a them problem. Like it's like, okay, I'm just like, jealous uh, or envious of the way that you know they can buy all of these things with no problem or whatever and if that's how I feel I'm gonna freaking unfollow them because I don't need to keep stirring up those same feelings from seeing their content every single day and so just unfollowing people if you really just feel like they are you know making you feel like you need to catch up with the trends or whatever and that you're you feel that spark of consumerism like really igniting in you when you see them post stuff or if it's not following them, like I said, you can mute them or even just, you know, taking a break from social media in general. I think doing like a little day detox once a week or once a month is so helpful for really just like bringing yourself back to earth and giving yourself that reality check and sort of keeping yourself from buying into, you know, all the consumerism that is on social media because it's impossible to completely escape, but there are ways to like mitigate the way it makes you feel and mitigate buying into it. The next question is ways to stay present amidst the hustle of everyday work and life. So I kind of talked about this earlier with finding versus creating. But the biggest thing for me when it comes to staying present is having balance and not thinking too much about the past, not dwelling on the past and not, you know, thinking about the future so much. And with balance, I think it's so important because it like if I'm like too heavily relaxing and chilling out I'm gonna end up creating problems for myself right and that keeps me from being present and then if I'm like way too busy then I am not staying present because I'm constantly thinking about what's next on my to-do list so that's why balance is so important to me and it's not about finding balance it's about creating balance because we often think of balance as something we need to look for as if it's already there and present in our day-to-day life, but oftentimes it isn't there and it's something that we actually need to intentionally take the time to create by either one, eliminating things from our routine or life, or two, adding things to our routine or life. So I think balance is so important for finding, you know, or being more present because I think all of us are hustling our butts off right now because it just feels impossible to keep up with, you know, everything getting more expensive and just everything just feels like it's kind of collapsing all the time. And we're just like trying to make it day by day through our jobs and just have enough energy to like be a human being still at the end of the day. So finding or not finding, but creating balance where you can, or if maybe you already do have balance in your life and you just need to pay more attention to certain things more than others, I think that's really big for staying present because it's so easy to go on autopilot and just like go through the motions. And I, I like, I'm that way through busy season and there's no changing it. Like that's how I am through busy season because it's the way I have to be. Everything's put on autopilot and it's horrible and I hate living that way, but it just has to be that way during that time for me to like be able to do everything I need to do. And 
the best way to stay present for sure is just, you know, creating that balance in your life that allows you to sort of just be more present and be in the moment because I feel like when you're tipped too far one way or the other, it really eliminates your ability to just focus on the now. And I think that balance is really the key to that. Next question is how do you relieve yourself from financial stress and enjoy the present moment? So another question about um, enjoying the present moment, which I feel like we're all really struggling with and I always have struggled with this. And for me, this one is so hard because I find that in stillness so if i'm just like not doing much if i'm you know sitting on my phone consuming content on social media or if i'm like sitting on the couch watching tv i'm like ruminating on the things that are stressing me out and typically i'm always stressed about money in some way shape or form and um i don't i hate that that's how it is but i'm literally just trying to be 100 honest with you all and i know that it may sound out of touch from y'all's perspective because you're like what do you mean you're a content creator and you also you know work a full-time job but like I've said before the way you grow up with money it just doesn't instantly leave your head and your mindset doesn't instantly shift when you are in a position where you're able to you know make great financial decisions and save money and everything and even when you're doing those things that poor financial mindset and negative financial mindset is still there and it doesn't just go away so this is just me being completely honest and I'm very sorry if it like is coming off as very out of touch or whatever but I'm just letting you know that even with me hustling my butt off and even with the many blessings and things that I'm so grateful for in my life um, that I have been able to achieve because of being a content creator and everything I still feel that stress and it's really hard because it does consume your existence at times. It's really hard to relieve yourself from it because it's an all-consuming thing. You know, it consumes your head, it consumes your ability to make decisions with what you're going to do for the day and things like that. Like I remember being in college and just trying, you know, to make my money last as long as I possibly could and just always being, you know, stressed about it. Like, okay, like if I get this Chipotle tonight and eat it for dinner. I can also have it for lunch tomorrow. So per meal, it's a really great deal. But how much money will I have left to get for groceries? And it's just like that kind of mindset is just very consuming. And relieving yourself from financial stress and enjoying the present moment is so, so hard because it is so all-consuming. And I find that when I am like keeping myself busy with things, and even if that means just like tidying up my place or whatever, I'm able to sort of force myself to keep my hands busy and something about keeping my hands busy I've noticed so much helps me with escaping like a lot of like those stressful thoughts in my mind and I don't want to necessarily escape them because I want to listen to them and I want to feel what I need to feel in regard to them but at the same time I don't want to ruminate over them you know so in order to not ruminate once I've like felt what I needed to feel I like to keep my hands busy and that's literally how I keep myself from letting financial stress enjoy the present moment so whether that's cleaning playing a video game going to a workout class reading is a really great one or maybe it's facetiming like a friend because you want to be like attentive to that doing things like that that like really force you to be in the present moment where you literally can't do anything else with your hands or you have to be fully mentally present like reading that helps me so much because it really helps me escape that world in my head that is living in a state of financial stress or stress from anything in general 
And that's true with any type of stress. It doesn't have to be financial stress, but um, and once again, balance, I think having like a good balance in your life to where you're not feeling like so heavily pulled in one direction or the other is really helpful. And next, um, this question says, you sometimes say you don't feel right in what you're doing, AKA as a corporate girly, what do you think you'll be looking to change into work-wise in the future? Um, yeah, as a corporate girly, I don't see myself climbing a corporate ladder for my career, for my life. And who knows, like everything could literally change and that could be what I want for myself one day but as of right now I don't see that for myself but I think what I'm looking to change into work-wise is something that does check those boxes that I mentioned earlier and ultimately is just something that feels more in alignment with myself and my values and isn't something that is me trying to prove myself to others what that job will be I don't really know um in a dream world like I'd be able to like be a content creator and you know have my podcast and YouTube channel and stuff but also do something else like it'd be really cool to like do all of that but also be like a fitness instructor somewhere and then also have you know some other business of my own like maybe it be a bookstore or something like that like that that would be a dream if it was like some kind of like little situation like that but I know that that's not necessarily reality and attainable necessarily so I don't really know um and it is true that I don't really you know feel right so I don't really know what I'm looking to change into but I just want to be more intentional when I do make a decision about you know making a decision that does align with my values and last but not least any tips on living with a significant other I'm someone who likes alone time to recharge and I've talked about this one before Um, a little bit but I think that the biggest thing with this is communication and communicating that you know in order for you to show up as your best self in the relationship and be the best partner you can be if you communicate that you need alone time in order to be the best partner you can be you're a good partner and a partner that respects you and like wants your relationship to be the best it can be is going to be okay with that and they're going to understand and respect that and that is so important to communicate early on and I know that like typically starting out in relationships I'm very like codependent initially but then I like get extremely independent and I do a 180 like almost overnight once it's like been a certain amount of time it's like the weirdest thing but it's just how I've always been and it's always like a shock to the other person when all of a sudden I'm like I need alone time because then they're like wait but like all your free time you've wanted to spend with me before this and it's because I kind of pivot from like it's once I get comfortable in a relationship with the person and really like feel very secure is when that happens typically and once I feel that way I'm like wait what about all that time I used to spend with myself um I need that back and it can be like a shock to the other person so communicating like you know I think that I've really been trying to spend all my free time with you and I haven't really been investing in myself because it was what was making me feel secure and now I'm you know thankfully in a place where I feel really secure in this relationship and that's such a blessing and it's a great thing but in order for me to be the best partner I can be for you like I need to be able to recharge alone whether that's you know just going and doing things on my own if that's going to you know and doing all of the typical errands we would do together on my own or going to a coffee shop alone, reading alone, um, watching my own shows alone, whatever that is, I do need that alone time. And, you know, just communicating not only that you need it, but also when you're planning on doing it and like engaging in it. Cause there have definitely been times where like I've been in my alone time zone and Griffin's been like, I want to hang out. And I'm like, 
I want to hang out too, but like right now I really need to just, you know, be alone. I need to sit here and read my book or I need to sit here and journal and really just focus on this and I'll feel a lot better to spend time with you later or I can say like can we do what you want to do like tomorrow and you know sometimes there's compromise and I'm like you know what this will work better for both of our schedules if we do it right now so I will compromise and I can do my alone time tomorrow instead whatever it may be um and I think the biggest thing too is just like making sure you both have your own individual lives outside of the relationship like your own friends that you hang out with your own hobbies and you don't lose that in your relationship because that will really help as well because it won't the other the other person in the relationship you taking your alone time it really shouldn't affect them because they should have things of their own that they're involved in and care about anyways if that makes sense but I think communication is definitely the biggest thing there and that is everything I have for this episode holy cow it is so long I'm so sorry such a rambler I need to go through and like edit it because I definitely think I rambled at some points um and I it's almost like two hours long which is so crazy but I hope you all enjoyed this little quarterly 20 questions maybe 19 I don't really know how many it was Q&A and I hope you all enjoyed it and be sure to follow in bloom podcast on Instagram it's just at in bloom podcast and follow me on Instagram as well like I mentioned so that you can participate in the next Q&A if I happen to do it on my personal Instagram again um, or ask the questions there and be sure to give a rating and let me know how you feel about the podcast and follow me on all my other social media as well if you want to keep up with my life there and join the Emblem podcast Facebook group and I will talk to you all next week.